This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connex setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at AffordableDrillTowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoce's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check him out, Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send him an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check him out on social media, and their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check him out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his uh, his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good. It's so clean and crisp. And yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast. And you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters. And that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give him a little pluck and tell him keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels
So, Chief, thank you and welcome to the National Fire Radio plot, uh, platform. I, I, please introduce yourself and give me a little background about yourself. Uh, so, my name is Amy Solono Kailua Hewitt. I am a retired battalion chief from the Maui County Fire Department. I retired in 2019 uh, after 25 years of service prematurely. Uh, because I did uh, have stage three colon cancer. Wow. So that kind of forced me to um, prematurely retire. Uh, I loved uh, the job and every aspect of the job. Um, but, you know, it was time for me to consider or, or focus on my healing process sure. and taking care of my family. Sure. So I, um, I, I retired in 2019. I um I am born and raised uh, in Hawaii. I'm native Hawaiian. I am also Japanese and Korean. Um, my my Japanese side and my Korean side, or my my grandfathers, if you will, right. came to work the plantations many many years ago. Mm. Married into the my Hawaiian side, and that's why I have a, a mixed blood. Uh, if you will, and um, a connection to my Hawaiian history and my local history, which includes the plantation history. Uh, I'm married. I've been with my wife for 31 years. I have three children. My oldest son is, uh, my oldest child, my son is 28 years old. He is also in the fire department. And I have two beautiful daughters. Um, my Middle child is 23, and my youngest child is uh, 16. Wow. I love it. Yeah. I, I absolutely yeah. love it. I mean, family is so important, and I'm sure from your roots, uh, you know, family's everything to you. And, um, you know, after an incredible career, 25 years, you had said, um, retiring yep. and focusing on your health. Um, I yep. hope that um, I hope that your health is doing well. Um, and uh, it is. Yeah, good. That's fantastic. Take me back a little bit then about your beginnings. Um, how did you find the fire service? Was that something that uh, ran deep with you? Uh, a, a, a sense of service, um, giving back to the community, being native, um, you know, to the island and, and to the Hawaiian people? Like, is, is this something that was a calling for you or did you have some exposure to it early on in life? I think as children, um, I think we all want to be firemen. We all see the fire engine goes go by, and always, you know, before watching the firemen ride on the back tailboard of the fire truck, and that was my childhood as well. So there was always, you know, an interest in that. Um, I actually went to uh, the University of Hawaii um, for graphic design. I actually wow. wanted to be uh, a an artist for Disney is what I aspired to be. Very and, uh, cool. Um, some things happened with, uh, family, uh, that brought me, took me out of school. I came back home my junior year of college and, um, where I was working, which was at the hotel at the time, all of my friends there were going to take the fire test. Mm. And so they said, Hey, let's go study to take the fire test. And we all took the fire tests and the rest is history. Um, <laughs> I, as I reflect on that whole journey and how that all happened, um, I, 
I just have to say that I'm just super, super lucky that um that somebody reminded me to go take the fire test and I got <laughs> it to the fire department. Yeah. Um and I've been grateful every single day of every single shift um uh since I, I got in and I just reflect on it as just a tremendous blessing for me. I mean, um, to have gone through it the way I went through it and been able to have a, well, a successful career. Yeah. Well, you know, you say lucky, but you know, I believe we make our own luck a lot of times. And, um, you know, when you make good choices in life or you um, you're aspiring to do something more or bigger or better or opportunity presents itself and you act on that opportunity, I think a little bit has to do with us. I think it's, uh, you know, it's in us to, uh, to maybe pursue some things that at the time it, it might seem lucky or, or fell in your lap, but in, in retrospect for what it's done for you and for your family and, and how you speak so highly of the job and how highly you regard it in every single tour that you had, um, it goes to, it goes to say that, you know, you, you're the type of, uh, we need a lot more of you in this industry for sure. You know? Thank you. Yeah. So educate me a little bit then. I mean, how, how this all got connected, um, was, you know, I was, I was curious about what was going on, uh, in Maui right now with the fires that occurred and, um, and through, contact in another contact i came across shane shane and i chatted for a little bit shane's the president i believe of the 50th state fools you're the vice president i believe as well right and um and he said i have the guy for you i just don't know if he's gonna have a minute for you so that's why i'm being very careful of your time because i know how involved you are with the recovery right now of on the island of maui but can you educate me a little bit about the maui fire service and how that all works in an island nation because I'm very curious about how with multiple islands, if it's a one fire department that covers an island or if it's multiple. So I'm just curious how that all plays out. So there are three levels, right? There's a federal level, um, which where Shane works at, works at and that manages the military bases right? Um, on different islands. There's a state level, which is the airport firefighters. Okay. Um, and then there's a county level. There's four, four counties. I work for one of them. I work for one of them. That's Maui County. There's Maui County, Hawaii County, Honolulu City and County, and Kauai County. My county, Maui County, involves four islands. Oh, okay. And so um, my particular battalion, uh, excuse me, let me just back up a little bit. Yeah. The four islands, only three of those islands are habited okay. uh, with people, habitated with people. Um, one of them is does not. Um, so as a battalion chief for battalion two, I manage or oversee, um, a part of Maui plus Moloka'i and Lanai. Okay. And so that means if any significant calls happen on those islands, we're either boating over or flying over and, um, trying to, you know, mitigate whatever happens, obviously, trying to mobilize forces over to another island. Obviously, that's delayed. Um, populations on those islands are smaller. Um, so their, you know, their stations and their staffing kind of relate to the size of the, the population. Sure, of the absolutely. Community. Yeah, it's representative. And of course, with that being said, there's, there's definitely a lot of challenges regarding uh, what a fire department or what a fire station or fire crew can actually do. Mm. 
So in general, uh, our county is undersourced. Um, it, it, there's a lot of reasons for it, but one of the reasons is that the, uh, the communities are separated, right? So it's not just one continuous community. It's they're separated by beach or separated by, by land. And, um, it's pockets of, of towns, if you will, right. mm -hmm. that, uh, are scattered all over the, the island. Therefore, our resources are only staffed within those pockets. But it's the land that burns between those pockets is what wreaks the havoc, wreaks havoc on the community. Um, and the mm -hmm. fire department, uh, Maui County Fire Department, um, you know, we have uh, responsibility to not only the land, uh, but also into the channel, the channels that separate the islands. Yeah. So the thing unique about Hawaii, uh, the Hawaii Fire Service is that, you know, a firefighter will need to know how to perform mountain rescues, swift water rescues out into uh, surf rescue. Yeah. On top of on top of structural firefighting and wildland firefighting and medical and hazmat. So it's a, it's a challenging piece um, to manage for any fire administration. Uh, the training piece is obviously super hard to manage as well, because there's just so much that one firefighter needs to know. And uh, there's so much that they need to train on. And, you know, it becomes challenging. It, uh, there are no mutual. We don't have a mutual aid I, partnership. I was gonna say. I mean, your your resources are limited, right? So, yeah. your your guys and girls on that line, they they can't say no. They can't right. say I'm gonna call someone and and they're gonna come and take care of this. I I need to specialize this. It could be quite a distance away, right, by sea or by air. And so you're gonna right. do everything you can to mitigate whatever emergency is in front of you. Yeah, you know, um, the, the two sides of that is that there were uh, mutual aid agreements with uh, other counties to try and mobilize resources to each other's island based on need. Um, and I'm not sure where that is anymore. Um, mm. <clears throat> there was a mobilization of uh, resources uh, officially requested and was mobilized from Honolulu to Maui um, for this particular incident, the, the, the Lahaina fire. And, and what um, kind of distance is that, Chief? A, like, how far away would those resources be coming from? Uh, it's it's a 25-minute plane ride. Yeah, plane ride. 25-minute yeah, plane, plane ride. ride. To mobilize, yeah, yeah. get up in the air, and to land, and then demobilize and, and put the, you know, the assets and resources into the field. So this is not something that's immediate yeah. by any means. No, 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 no. Right. I, I, I'm not sure what the timeline on the resources arriving from Honolulu were after the request. I'm not sure what that was, but um, there was a tremendous volunteer force that came in from all the other counties and the federal fire department um, to help our initial operation. So you do have volunteer fire companies dotted across these different pockets or... Was this volunteer in the world of, hey, our community's on fire, we're here to help? Yep, it was wow. more that. 
Uh, wow. The Maui County does not have a voluntary okay. fire force. Um, I, the Big Island does. I'm not sure if any other counties do, but I know the Big Island has a voluntary force. Mm-hmm. Voluntary fire force. Sure. But it was just friends. It was just friends, you know, knowing that our, our what our community was going through. And they j- jumped on a plane and uh, hooked up with us and started serving our community, which was, I mean, I cannot tell you how magical it was and how grateful I was and how grateful our community was. Um, it In my career, I have never seen that mobilized, not wow. ever. Yeah. So the fact that I think at the end of the day, there was about, if I had to guess, there was about 120 firefighters that came from the other islands uh, to support what we're doing and um, work different shifts. We were working uh, 24-hour shifts, uh, 24-7. And, you know, initially sleeping in our vehicles, sleeping on a cot, sleeping on the ground to be able to serve um, the communities that were suffering. And that, that volunteer effort was just, just amazing. And Shane, uh, Shane Furuta was, was the, one of the first um, volunteers uh, to show up with uh, four big Island firefighters. Um, Battalion chief uh, Patrick Springer was a part of that as well. He's a, He's a fifth dead state fool as well. Okay. And it was the six of us kind of being assigned to go in and, and stabilize this uh this area. Um so it was the six of us kind of walking into a a a community where uh, there was there was a point of distribution, if you will. So people are dropping off stuff in this uh, strip mall and and it was kind of causing chaos and and some some different challenges. So we came in and just started to organize that. Yeah. Um, and bringing some security to that process, being, being some, you know, some comfort uh, to that process, bringing some order to that process uh, as we, we greeted each of the community people one by one and really tried to calm them and serve them and, and accommodate them in any way we could. Uh, take them on a, a little shopping trip through our, our perimeter. And then it just, the, the operation just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, it was actually, like I said, a super magical experience for me and a magical experience for the firefighters, the volunteers, and magical for the community as well. Chief, can you just take me back to the beginning of all of this? I mean, you know, one thing that I keep thinking about, and I, I wrote it down on my pad, I underline it and circle it, and that means I always come back to it when I write the narrative up for the podcast. And I said, and I wrote down, they live where they work, meaning that the communities that suffered tremendous loss, I mean, there are, there was, some of the communities were completely destroyed. And I'm thinking that, obviously, members of the fire department lost their homes, their families scrambled for their lives. I mean, to watch what I saw and and on the news, on online, to see the speed in which this fire consumed, um, this was not an, an event that was prolonged. I mean, this I mean, obviously it's prolonged, but the initial event, the conflagration that occurred 
was very quick. Where were you when this all started? Because you're retired, right? I'm sure you still stay in touch with, I, I believe from what I was, from what um, Shane had mentioned, you're very involved in the community, very well respected in the community um, and so on. And so I'm sure you're very much in touch with the people that are in of, of uh, influence and power within town. And then the fire department, I'm sure you're still very well connected there too, but you are retired. So obviously you felt the need to come out of retirement to lend your support and skills to the community in which you love. And so the beginning stages of all this, it happened very quickly. And then your response, I have to think was probably immediate. Yeah. So, um, what there was a fire. So I, so I live on the opposite side of the, the Island and there was a fire behind my house. Um, so my attention was first at that fire. Sure. Um, and that fire, uh, there were houses that were lost in that fire as well. Yeah. Um, evacuation, so on and so forth. Um, it was a, it's a tricky place to fight a fire. And so, um, you know, my concern was there first. Um, there was a, the Dalhaina fire happened after, um, and I was actually not connected to the Lahaina fire. I knew the fire was going on. Okay. But I was not paying attention to it because I was concerned with the fire that was behind my house. Sure. At the same time, or um, I'm not sure what the status of the, well, the Lahaina fire was going. And then there was another fire, another large fire that was burning on the south side, which was lower from my house. So my focus was on the Kula fire, which is behind my house, the Kie fire, which is below my house. The Lahaina fire was actually on the opposite side, side of the island. Okay. Um, and so I was unaware of the devastation of the Lahaina fire. Um, I'm not a social media guy, so I, 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 I wasn't paying attention to those things um, and was just kind of concerned with what was going on in my place. Um, I started to receive... Um, Texas from firefighters from across the state about the Lahaina fire and then um, that's when I started to kind of pay attention to what was happening in Lahaina like I said Lahaina was that was part of my battalion and so um, we have my wife's family is is from Lahaina um, and they lost their homes wow um, we also lost a family member oh, boy. there as well. Um, and so I started to pay attention. My wife was saying, you know, we we're missing family members, you know, and that's when my attention went towards Lionel. Excuse me. Yeah. And so at the same time, uh, firefighters were calling me from the outside of the, uh, Maui to plug in and in whatever way they could. I know that the Maui Fire Department is undersourced with one significant event. And we had three. Yeah. So I knew that um, you know, they're they're gonna need people. And I know that um they're gonna need people who are trained. They're gonna need people who can come in and you know manage work. Uh, the necessary work right now. Yeah. And so 
um, I started to mobilize retirees wow. and getting calls from odd people from all this, uh, uh, once again, around the islands. And this, this is all ha- kind of happening simultaneously. And then sure. I get a call from uh, one of the chief officers um, that was working in the EOC gave me a call and said, Hey, you know, we got this situation that we don't really know um, the details about. All I know that there's chaos in this Napili area. It's kind of flowing into the fire station. Can you go out and fix it? I'm like, okay. So, um, you know, told the firefighters, hey, go ahead and fly in. And, um, you know, the first person that flied in was was flew in. That was Shane Feruda and Patrick Springer and three other uh, Big Island firefighters. And there was six of us that went out to that uh, Napili Plaza and and uh, started started to work, started to help uh, the community. Um, and like I said, it was it's, it's, it was magical how it was set up because the volunteers and the donations that were brought to Napili Plaza. I mean, I just cannot explain how amazing um the volunteers were and the donations were yeah. how the community rose up from all over Maui and all over the world really sure to come in and support the community and all we did is really just organize it we just gave a we gave a place to people that were offering different services and we just organized it so people could kind of walk through this pod point of distribution uh, safely and they could be directed to different services and they could be served and fed and and all of those things and um, <clears throat> um and that's what we did yeah this episode is brought to you by the affordable standpipe prop Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a 4-inch manifold of high-strength galvanized Schedule 10 pipe. The cart manifold are powder-coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FDC connections. Having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves, has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training 
department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew. Info at AffordableDrillTowers.com. Ask for a demo. Ask for information. Or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders, they can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on, and they provide nothing but top-shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform. And Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. And so, um, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just, gonna, I was just I, I'm trying to get um, perspective of this, right? Like just trying to get the scale and the size of what we're talking about. So I, I while we're talking, I just brought it up on the computer to look at the island of Maui, right? And so um, yeah. it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, but there's a larger section than like a, a an offshoot with a smaller section. And yeah. so, um the fire itself, how much, how much did it consume of the island itself? Was it just, was it isolated the the main fire, right? Because I know you said there were three multiple fires going at one time, um, and to to piggyback on that, you guys were having hurricane force winds. I mean, when you when you look right. at the footage of what was happening, um, you know the weather conditions. It was literally the perfect storm for a firestorm, um, right? And so, how much? How how significant? I don't I don't know how to ask the question. How many how many buildings? How much acreage? Like, have you estimated like what that what that has uh, the size and scale of the fire and how big it it truly was? Yeah. Um. So if you look at the smaller portion, yeah. of the Maui, that right. we call it the head. Okay. And the the bigger portion is the body. Got right? it. So the Lahaina fire is happening on the head of Maui, um, and it's the other two fires happened. Um, in the middle, of, on the south shore of the body of the fire, and up into the basically the middle on the mountaintop. Okay. So three different fires, three different locations, um, which just pulled resources all over the place. Sure. As far as the amount of houses and the amount of acreage, uh, the amount of buildings, the amount of acreage, yeah. acreage, the amount of fatalities, the amount of injuries, I, I do not know that number. Okay. Um, I can tell you that it's this is unprecedented. It's yeah. never happened right at, at all ever in our history. Um, and um, yeah, I don't I don't know the information on the acreage. No, I was just I, I'm just trying to put it in perspective, right? But I mean, when when you watch, and this is why I really want is wanted to speak with you because I'm trying to get a really good sense when you, when you see the the news and you see the footage, um, it's it's overwhelming i mean and I, I couldn't even imagine being there let alone sitting all the way across our country and and watching it firsthand and i mean it's just 
I, the magnitude of it was massive. And so I'm wondering, not knowing Maui and, and Hawaii really well, I'm trying to just put a perspective for the listener, you know, the people that will be listening to this, like how, how it you know, how significant in size, I mean, were fires, are fires common on the island when it comes to, um, you know, uh, rural firefighting where it, it you know, it, we, forest fires or, or vegetation fires, is that common for you? It is. Okay. It is common. I mean, I think our fire threat is definitely more brush fires than uh, structure fires. Got it. Um, that area, that area burns a lot. Um, it's just, it hasn't, um, it hasn't burned with those kinds of winds. Yeah. So once again, you're saying it's a perfect storm. It is a perfect storm. It's an unprecedented yeah. event that um we were not prepared for nor did we expect could, or could even imagine could you be right it, it, right. You, right right yeah so it's it's just the magnitude of it is incredible and then to piggyback on i mean you know the we were talking about the availability of resources i mean you only have so much within your within your island i mean you could only do so much i mean the outpouring of support from the community well it's the communities that are directly affected. I mean, like the people that are losing everything are still there to help one another. I mean, I have to think that there's a tremendous sense of community um, and, and pride within your Island uh, uh, amongst the people that live there and, and protect it and call it home. There's just this incredible, I bet you there's, I can only imagine how much of a sense of community they all share. Absolutely. I mean, uh, in my effort with the community aid piece, um, I mean, people have lost everything. Yeah. Are out there um, fixing roofs and, you know, putting up shelters or temporary shelters. Uh, there's all kinds of work from the community who lost everything. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not even, they're not, they're not at home crying or, you know, grieving. And then they, they probably are, but, but they're out there also just helping the other families that can be helped. Yeah. Whether it's feeding them, whether it's, you know, taking them in, whether it's, like I said, repairing their houses, whether it's taking care of the kids, whether it's, you know, picking up supplies. I mean, all the families are helping other families, even the families that have lost everything are still, working to help the community it's a pretty amazing it's a pretty amazing thing yeah but to i witness but i have to think too i mean you're you're limited in the supplies of which you have on the ground there right so that the need and the the requirement you need from outside must be overwhelming as well i mean are they stepping up the state the the the, the united states i mean is, are you getting the support of what you need at this point the resources i think that's definitely the plan I mean, I, I think that um, right now what's happening is, I mean, there's just tremendous amount of donations coming in, um, and there's a tremendous amount of local contacts and local connections that are mobilizing donations and mobilizing services out to their families in need. Sure, that's happening like at an in an outstanding way uh, right now, and. Um, the government coming behind it, you know, with 
um, the different aspects of recovery. Um, the plan is that's part of the plan. Sure. Um, plugging them in 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 a in a in a in a good way and kind of expediting that operation is definitely what we're urging to happen. One. I mean, and urging meaning myself, I mean, the community obviously wants to be able to go through their homes, look for things that, um, you know, some items that might have been saved and yeah. you know, get into the the recovery process. Well, and that's, um, and that's it, because that's where you are right now. I mean, this is still very fluid. I mean, it's still very new. Um, there's still tremendous amount of people missing. I mean, from the other day, I heard there was there was almost close to 400 people that were still missing, um, you know, and unaccounted for, I should say. Um, and the yeah. property loss is staggering. And so, I mean, this is going to be, you know, I mean, this is this is really a a, a massive undertaking for all of you. Um, how are you holding up? How how are the firefighters holding up the people that were there on the front line? I mean, I know it's a community that's come together and everybody's been a part of it. Um, but, you know, I have to think where where an event like this hits you right at home. I mean, um, you know, I, I live 20 minutes outside of New York City and the events of September 11th haunt all of us every single day. Um, there's remembrance of it still 20 something years later, 22 years later, there's still we have remembrance of that consistently um you know because it was so um so unprecedented um you know i i know it's still very new um you know and i'm i'm sure the coping and dealing with this is still very very new and and figuring out the resources that you need for your own people let alone the community there's a lot here chief there's a lot here um i i just i think yeah what comes to mind when you ask how I'm doing, how the boys are doing, how, how the crews are doing, the firefighters are doing. I mean, I think like probably all people, I think we're all firefighters for sure. We're still in operations mode. Yeah. We're not in, we're, like even myself, I mean, my brain, my heart hasn't let me go into an emotional state yet. Yeah, I'm, I I I I I see things, but I I'm not com- I don't I'm not comprehending it. I'm not yeah. processing it. I'm driving right past something to go and get something done. Right. I think the firefighters right. are there as well. Um, they are. I've I've talked to some of the, you know, the frontline guys that have unbelievable stories to tell. Um. Very, very, very heroic stories to tell, and um, and I can only imagine um, what they're going through. Um, but like I said, I think they're still operational, so they haven't yeah. let themselves. Yeah, you know. So if you ask them, "Hey, how are you doing?" They'll tell you, "I think I'm okay," but I don't know if that's going to change in a week or a month. When things start to settle down, right? For that's sure, the, that's the concern there. Yeah, and and that's where you know your experience 
and knowledge really is needed. You know, the influence of the retired guys as well. You're such a close community and such a close knit department. I'm sure. I mean, the fact that the EOC reached out to you and, and you reached out to retired members. I mean, again, you know, what else did you have? Of course you guys have to step up. It's your community. It's, it's, it's what you know, it's who you are. Um, so I, I just, you know, I just want to say, be careful and please take care of one another. I mean, when, when things start to settle just a little bit, and I know we're still probably quite a ways off, um, you know, that's really got to become the focus. And, and what I worry about is when, when disasters like this happen, everybody is so passionate and, and hot and heavy on it up front. And it's where are we weeks later, months later, and how can we support you then? Um, and that, I think, is, um, is one of the most important things that we need to focus on as, as it moves forward. Um, but, yeah, I, I can understand. I mean, being in that operational mode, you know, it's, it's almost that tunnel vision. I'll focus on myself when I can focus on myself. But right now, it's, it's about the mission. Um, I get that. I absolutely get yep. that. What can, what can we do? What, what are, are there some funds or, or things that are happening that we can get involved with that go directly to the community or to the fire department or what, or the members of the fire department? Um, there's a lot of different GoFundMes and pages that are out there, but um, I know you are at the epicenter of all this. Um, I know, you know, your position there um, is, uh, is of a higher magnitude than, than many just because of your standing in the community. So I just ask, is there something that we can provide or share to our network and our community so that the give back goes directly to where it's needed most? That's actually a really good question. Uh, Jeremy and um, yeah. I know that there are tons of donations coming in. I know that there are different means uh, of that coming in, um, but I I don't know how that's organized. To be honest with you, okay. Um, and what I would say is that um, at this point, based on what I know, I would say to Hold on to your donations okay. and and look to donate six months from now. Yeah. Uh, or three months and six months and nine months and a year because that's where it's all going to, um, you know, we know that this journey is going to be long. And, um, um, I mean, the, I think it's safe to say that the, the, the state has been inundated with and overwhelmed with donations where sure. we don't we can't we can't manage it effectively um and so i would say to the um the world to try and plug in um with the perspective of longevity um versus immediate um because i think for the immediate time we have sufficient supplies to take care of the families in the community yeah. um, as we start moving into recovery efforts that's going to change yeah um and so hold on to those be be prepared to donate at that time yeah no i appreciate that and that, i mean that's great words um for sure and i i thank you for sharing that um i think that's very important and that's that piggybacks right on top of what i was talking about with yourself and uh, and everyone that's dealing with this and and what the future looks like chief what else can we do what else do we need to know how can we support in any other way um you know the resources needed there um i think are, are coming in 
um, and so on. But, uh, you know, I a lot of times in the fire service, you know, the brotherhood likes to help. I know donation, uh, you know, like we just talked about, is important. Um, is there anything that we else that we need to know? Is there any information that you want to get out so that many any misinformation that was given that, that can be corrected? Or is there anything that you just feel is important that we should know that I haven't asked about? Um, I think um, there's a concern with, how Lahaina is going to be rebuilt. Mm. And, you know, there are efforts to uh, developers and realtors that want to buy up land and and, and build um, Lahaina the way they want it built without the community being a part of that. Yeah. Um, and there's a threat there, I believe, um, that exists. And how these families rebuild their homes and rebuild a Lahaina that they can they can enjoy and that the world can enjoy, um, and not be priced out of Hawaii. It's kind of a big piece. I don't really have the answer to that one, but yeah, is to recognize that threat. Is to recognize how the world and these investors and these developers may want to buy out land from the families um, who are vulnerable. Yeah. Um, yeah. To build out their, you know, their their visions and uh, whatever. Um, it's it's a real threat. I I believe. And it's, I believe from what I've heard, it's already taking place is there's already those kinds of efforts and, you know, just to, I don't know what the answer is or the solution is to that, but I just hope that um, the Lahaina town can be returned to its community yeah, and the town can be maybe built like it was where all of the world who have come and visited Maui and seen Front Street and seen our historical Whalers Town and have been able to walk and enjoy family walks and dinners and lunches and breakfasts and surfing out in the pier and all those things. Hopefully all those things can be returned and the world can continue to enjoy Maui the way they have. Yeah. And not to be a Maui that is 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 totally different from from what we've known it to be. Sure. And which I believe is a very, very special place. Sure. Um, with very, very special ties and very, very historical connections. And those things need to be remembered. They need to be uh, cared for and they need to be preserved and they need to be um, looked at carefully as we rebuild Lahaina. Yeah. I, I know your roots run very deep. Um, was Lahaina a, a, a very... Um a lot of natives to the island. I mean, is it is it a big Hawaiian community? A lot of culture, a lot of history, a lot of tradition that that has come through Lahaina. Definitely, I mean, the Lahaina was the capital of the state at mm. one point in time. Okay. Um, some of our, our 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 royalty is buried there. Um, some of the the royalty lived in the area, and there's um, this place called Moku'ula. It's a very historical place. Um, obviously, 
the Whaling Town as a historical significance. Um, uh, yeah, it's a super important place for um, not only Maui, but I think the state of Hawaii. Yeah. Um, like I said, the world has enjoyed Lahaina. Um, and, you know, we'd want to create a place or recreate a place that that we can enjoy again um, and not be for only the rich, um, but for, for everybody. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I can only imagine how protective you all are of where you're from and your customs, traditions, and, and everything that is sacred to you. Um, and I think that's obviously where the sense of community comes from. And um, I, I hope you're right. I hope that going forward, it can be preserved and kept in the, in a traditional way that represents the very best of the Hawaiian people um, and, and in our country. I mean, this, this is, you know, I wrote it down. I said that the world has enjoyed Lahaina. I mean, the world, it's a destination. It's an important place with tremendous culture and tradition. And, um, right. you know, to be a protector of that, you are, you are certainly a protector of that um, and everything that comes with it. And so, um, you know, I certainly will keep you, in my thoughts, in my prayers, um, as you know, the days and weeks and months move forward. Um, but, uh, powerful chief, very powerful. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what more to say, to be honest. It's, it's almost, um, as you said, it's operational mode. And I'm sure every night when you get to put your head down, when you do get to put your head down, like, you know, for, for what you're thinking about, what's next, it's mission forward, but, you know, reality is going to be setting in. I, uh, you said you had lost a family member. Family has lost property, homes, infrastructure. So it is not just operational forward for the people, but it's also your own family uh, and your community. So um, I, I want you to know through this conversation today and getting to know you, um, first off, thank you for sharing so much about you and the, and the beautiful community that you serve and live and protect, um, and so on. It just, it means the world for you to take a few minutes just to share with me in our community about what's happening there. Um, and with a firsthand, um, you know, firsthand vision of what's going on. Yeah. Thanks for the, um, thanks for the talk. I mean, it kind of helps me to, I haven't interviewed with anybody, mm. um, you're the first person I'm talking to about well, it. Thank you. And, and, and this, it, I mean, in any part of it, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. And, sure. You know, information is still sensitive. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, information that needs to be protected. Of course. Um, and so um, as days unfold, the week's, uh, pass by, you know, more information is going to be going to be uh, revealed, and 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 maybe a uh, maybe I'll have a a more detailed conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. At a later time. Well, I I'd, um, I'd like to extend an invitation that if you need to get a message out to the American Fire Service, um, I'd yeah. be honored to be a steward of that. Um, and please, uh, now that we have each other's information, do not hesitate to reach out to me at any time. 
as anybody that knows me will tell you, I live and I live live and breathe this. And so, if we can help in any way, that's that's the importance. That's the mission of National Fire Radio is to protect one another and protect what we all build and and what we get to do every single day. And and that goes to say that you know where our brothers and sisters are in need anywhere, we need to be a part of it. Um, and so, if if this needs to be an outlet for you to share information or. Um, even just an outlet for you to talk about it, whether it's on camera or off and you just want to talk to a complete stranger that you've only talked to once or twice, just to, just to clear your conscience or what have you. That's what this is all about. Um, and I just want to give you that reassurance that we're here. Um, we hear you and, um, whatever we can do, um, to support the mission and support yourself and your men and women of the Maui fire department, obviously, the communities in which have been affected um, and, and the Hawaiian people, uh, man, we're, we're here. So I just appreciate some time today with you. Yeah, truly. It was a real honor to get to meet you um, and discuss with you about what's going on in Maui. Um, And um, please, please lean on us, whatever we can do to help. I appreciate that, Jeremy. Uh, We'll, we'll definitely stay in touch. And if I, I think there is an opportunity for a message to be spread to the fire service definitely I'll, I'll be reaching out to you good i appreciate that thank you i, I really hope you do um yeah. and uh and know that we all we all are praying and thinking of all of you there um and uh and so on so thank you so much chief for spending a few time i know how valuable your time is uh so thank you very much um for spending some time with me today all right take care jeremy good. stay right there i'm just gonna sign off i just want to sign off this podcast and i'm gonna come right back just okay. so we could chat for a few minutes off the air okay um, everyone, thank you for tuning in tonight on a very special edition of National Fire Radio's podcast. Uh, an incredible, uh, an incredible conversation um, with with an incredible man. So, thank you very much, and please take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse, and talk about it. Because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. Please keep the the communities on Maui and in Hawaii in your thoughts and prayers as you go forward in your daily grind and uh, be safe and we'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.